And welcome everybody to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hope you are well. It is September. It's after Labor Day. Get ready. Here we go. Biden, Trump, ding, ding, ding. Do we have any boxing bells? That's all right. Uh, it's, it's a tough economy now. We probably don't have that sound effect, but that's okay. Uh, we've got a cage match on our hands, the general election coming November 3rd to a polling place near you, or maybe just your mailbox, uh, universal mail-in balloting, all the rage now, at least among the Democrats. And speaking of rage, the Trump administration and conservatives and Republicans are pretty angry about what's going on. Today on the podcast, we have with us Jason Frierson. You say, I don't know who Jason Frierson is. Well, you should get acquainted with him. He is the head of the Nevada State Assembly uh, out there in uh, the wonderful state of Nevada. Uh, and he is basically the guy that wrote the universal mail-in balloting uh, initiative that got passed into law. So everybody in Nevada will now get a ballot mailed to them. It's because of the man, Jason Frierson, the head of the Nevada State Assembly. He will join us on the podcast today. The Democrat will explain exactly why he is doing what he is doing. And he basically says, look, you shouldn't have to put your life at risk in order to exercise your constitutional right to vote. And that is why he thinks the universal mail-in ballot system is the way to go. We will explore that on the podcast today. Uh, by the way, speaking of podcasts, don't forget you can download The Pod's Honest Truth at uh, iHeart, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts. And John Solomon Reports is also on the network. Cheryl Atkinson, too. And, of course, Scott Rasmussen and his podcast dissecting a lot of the polling that is out there in this general election atmosphere. All right, back next with Jason Frierson here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Time now for our guest on the podcast today, Jason Frierson. He is the head, the leader of the Nevada State Assembly out there in the great state of Nevada because he's the head of the Nevada State Assembly. So clearly he is from that great state. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science. Even I can figure that out. Um, look, we're talking about universal mail-in balloting. He is the guy uh, that uh, wrote the initiative in Nevada saying that everybody in the state uh, gets a ballot, kind of like Oprah with a car. Everybody gets a car. Uh, well, he's like everybody gets a ballot because uh, it, not just Nevada, but nine states. Nevada is one of nine states and also the District of Columbia that will actually receive ballots in the mail. It could be the most problematic vote by mail effort ever in our nation's history. Obviously, um, there there is a lot to this. Now, Jason Frierson is going to basically talk about how we're on at an unusual time with this national pandemic. And so he thinks that we have to make sure folks who are eligible are able to vote safe. That's the point. We'll get into a lot of, uh, of the devil's advocate, the, uh, the counter argument to that in our conversation here with Jason Frierson. 
Assembly Speaker Jason Frierson, thank you so much for joining me here. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Well, where do we begin? Uh, why don't we just start with, with the uh, law on the books now uh, that you authored. So tell me a little bit about what you were trying to accomplish with the law that is in effect now as it relates to mail-in balloting. Well, sure. I mean, look, uh, we are at an unusual time with the, the national pandemic. And uh, I think that we needed to make sure that folks were able to vote. Folks who were eligible were able to vote safely. You shouldn't have to put your life at risk in order to exercise your constitutional right to vote. And so, uh, you know, we think this is common sense legislation. We are not on the fringe. There are several states that have different versions in, uh, of, of what it is that we uh, accomplished in this bill. But at, at the end of the day, it is a common sense bill designed to make sure that folks are able to safely exercise their, their right to vote. Uh, we want more people to vote regardless of which party. And we want to make sure that it, it's safer. And then, you know, the one thing that we learned from our last primary was that people were waiting in line for seven hours on election day, and we simply mm -hmm. can't have that. And so we wanted to make sure that we were uh, making it, you know, accommodating for everyone who's eligible to vote, safe and secure, but not put their life at risk. So just so I understand how this is going to work, are, are you sending mail-in, are you actually sending the ballots or applications for ballots exactly? So. So we are sending the ballots to active voters. Um, right. uh, for the primary, we sent it to more than active, also inactive. So we made some adjustments and we're sending the ballots to active voters. With those ballots, uh, mm -hmm. voters are able to fill them out, mail them back in. They're able to fill them out and deliver them back in and drop them off themselves. And they're still able to vote on election day if that's what they want to do. So tell me about some of the concerns and criticism that you've heard about the safeguards as it relates to the system. I mean, the whole idea here is that this is new uh, for, for some states here. Uh, and, and though this is, may have been dabbled in in certain states, I know there are five big states that have, that have done this already, but there are certain states that haven't. So how do you safeguard the system as it relates to making sure that, you know, every vote counts and every vote's going to be counted properly? Well, I mean, look, I, I think that the primary was a, a great example. We had mail-in options for the primary, as well as drop-off options for the primary, and not a single incidence of fraud or any security concerns whatsoever. And so, uh, you're right, other states have done, have done this before. It's been in place in some states for several years. Um, I, we have wonderful local election officials, as well as our Secretary of State, who have shepherded this process. Um, and, and been a, a great example for the country. And I think that we're gonna continue to do that. We have safeguards in place, it, no different than what we currently, what we had before uh, this legislation passed. And if there is a problem with a signature, just like there was before, then they would have a verification process and the person would have an opportunity and quite frankly, an obligation to come in and correct that discrepancy. If for example, the signature didn't match their signature that, that they registered with. So I, I'm confident that, um, with this bill in particular, because we're gonna spread out more locations where people can vote so that there's less of a backlog. We're gonna start counting votes early so that you don't have to wait as long for uh, results. And, and I think overall, we're gonna see um, even a greater improvement from what we had experienced in the primary. Um, let, let me ask you a little bit about the deadline on all of this, because there is election day and, and the, the law says that you can basically, as long as you post stamp it, you know, if you have it post stamped by election day, 
the vote right. will be counted. Uh, so, so with six electoral votes potentially in a general election, and if it's a close race, I mean, this, this could go on for a while. I mean, we may not have results in, in Nevada, in Nevada uh, by, on election night. Well, I don't, well, first of all, I, I don't believe that we're, we're going to be talking about a close election uh, this fall. Uh, but the fact that we are allowing the counting to start sooner is going to give us more of an opportunity to, I think, get caught up. And so, um, you know, there's only going to be a, a couple of days of layover between uh, election day and post-market. Uh, and so I, I would expect uh, us to have a record early turnout, just like we did for the primary. And I think that uh, by the time we get to election day, uh, we will, uh, I think the hope is that we will have a majority of the ballots already turned in and, and, and started to be counted. Help me out about this loophole that we've heard a little bit about. I'm sure you've heard about it, right? This idea that if there's, uh, in essence, if, if some electoral worker, I, I say like election worker can't make out the post, post stamp as to when the actual ballot was post stamped, then you're allowing, what, three days after the election for those votes to count? Can you explain that? Because there's been some confusion about what that means. The Trump campaign is saying, hey, wait a minute, uh, you know, you technically could vote after Election Day. No, I mean, that's just not true. Um, you, you can't vote after Election Day. Um, they're gonna, there's going to be a period of time afterwards uh, to verify a ballot that was cast. And so this isn't, oh, by the way, you missed it, so come on in and cast a vote. That's not it. Um, I will largely leave that up to our local election officials and, and how they're going to manage it, but it's not a do-over. It's not an opportunity to cast a vote after Election Day. Um, you know, we will have a process in place where we will count the, the ballots that were cast on or before election day. And, and if there's a discrepancy afterwards, we're letting our local election officials uh, adjust and, and, and make sure that they are addressing uh, that discrepancy, but only for ballots that were cast. I think that would be right, right. I think that would be the concern that local election officials would then have to kind of determine which ballot uh, was post stamped correctly and which which was not, and that leaves a lot of uh, wiggle room and some gray gray area that people will say, well, wait a minute, you know, who are these election officials and and how are they counting and what's their party affiliation? All of that, if you might imagine. Well, look, I, look, I, I think that we are creating a problem that doesn't exist. Um, you know, you know, we we are not in the Florida hanging Chad era here. Uh, we have a process in place with the U.S. Postal Service. Um, but our, again, our plan is to have a robust early uh, turnout effort. And so I think that this is creating uh, a fear that is unfounded. And we ran this for the primary election without any problems whatsoever. Other states have been doing this without any problems whatsoever. And so uh, I, I'm looking forward to having a successful and robust turnout and, and having you know, timely results, uh, just like we did for the primary. So I, I would say that there are some states, and you, and you know about these, I'm sure, in New York, for example, in New York City, one third of the uh, ballots that came in, in in June for the primary there uh, were thrown out. One third, 84,000 or so. Uh, in New Jersey, uh, they still are trying to figure out what actually happened in the primary. They're not quite sure. And you can go on. I mean, Virginia just mailed out half a million ballots, not the state, but the, the nonprofit there mailed out half a million ballots to the wrong people. So you go down the list. I'll be honest with you. I, I just received 
received uh, a ballot here, uh, or, or excuse me, an application for a ballot here uh, for someone that no longer lives here has passed away in the last year that used to live here. So, so there's all sorts of uh, irregularities for sure that are, are concerning people. Can you acknowledge some of the concerns there for some folks? Well, I, I, I certainly think that, that any of those concerns uh, can be addressed and are being addressed in the same way that we deal with absentee voting right now. There, there's very little difference other than the process for requesting an absentee ballot is, is somewhat uh, cumbersome. And if you don't have uh, access to the internet or, or Wi-Fi, uh, then I think you know, you're, you're gonna be in a population that's been traditionally disenfranchised. Um, but we work through those challenges. And you, know, you, you, you talked about you know, New Jersey and New York, but there's also success stories like Oregon where they've been doing it for a long time. And so um, I think we'll, we will um, replicate what we did in the primary, which resulted in no problems whatsoever. And you know, as is the case with every piece of legislation, as we move forward, if we, if we needed to make adjustments, we will certainly uh, be open to making adjustments. But you know, this is putting the cart before the horse. We have not, we have not had a problem. And so uh, for us to allow for the expanded access to this process for our Native American community that has um, not only limited Wi-Fi, but limited transportation, they don't always have an immediate uh, family member to help them. And so mm -hmm. this is an effort to make sure that we include, regardless of party registration, um, that we include as many eligible voters, because this, you know, this whole process of voting is not, uh, as, as people would like to characterize it, a privilege, it's a right. And because it's a right, and we're in this uncertain time with the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. and wanting to social distance and be safe, uh, I think the, the more ways that we can safely provide opportunities for voters to vote, I think the more inclusive we are, and, and I think that's a good thing. People will say that uh, folks like yourself and others are using this uh, pandemic to uh, basically go with mail-in balloting and kind of using it for political advantages. What, what do you say to those charges? Well, you know, allowing and encouraging more and more people to vote, I don't think is taking advantage of anything uh, other than wanting to, to, to uphold our democracy. Democracy. Uh, I think the fact that it's being missed, you know, um, misrepresented that what we did got rid of the right to vote in person. I say the majority of the calls that I've gotten um, have been outraged at the fact that we, or, or the notion that we would take away somebody's right to go vote in person on election day. Yeah. And the fact that that has been circulated tells me that, um, you know, there's misinformation behind uh, the outrage, and I don't think I don't I don't see that there's a problem. I see that we have safeguards in place to address. Uh, just like if your signature didn't match um, before this piece of legislation, I, I think that we have safeguards in place, um, and I think that this is um, largely uh, you know a discouragement of folks to get as many people to vote as possible. What about this idea that, look, if you can go to Walmart and Target and go to the grocery store, and, and it's not just the grocery store, but just go to Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, if you can go there, why in the world can't you go up and, and show, show up in, at a polling place to vote? I mean, we're talking about safety, but people are going to Walmart and Bed Bath & Beyond and getting haircuts. Well, there's a few things I, I, I make. There's, I, I, I miss the part of the Constitution that says you have a constitutional right to go to Walmart. Um, <laughs> Um, and so we're talking about a constitutional right here, number one. Number two, we're not talking about the people who are going to Bed Bath & Beyond. We're talking about the people who are not going to Bed Bath & Beyond. And that's an easy population to miss. 
but they're people that don't have transportation. They're people that don't have the internet. They're people that don't have the means in order to be able to accommodate that. They're people that are not gonna be willing to wait um, in line for hours, which is why we were motivated uh, to make a change and expand access to the polls. So, uh, you know, again, for folks that treat this like a privilege, it's not, it's a right. And so I'm honored to have that right. People have fought and died to protect that right. And so I think that it's justified to try to make it accessible to as many Nevadans um, that are eligible that can safely do it. Would you agree on absentee balloting? You mentioned that earlier. Absentee balloting does have uh, a certain structure to it and certain integrity and accountability to it. You have to have a reason why you want an absentee ballot. You actually have to request the absentee ballot. Here, what you're doing is you're not having anybody request anything. You're saying, you know what, we're just going to mail it to you. There's a much bigger difference between massive mail-in balloting being sent to folks and absentee balloting. There's a big difference, right? Right. There is a big difference. And again, this is a constitutional right, not a privilege. And so mm -hmm. um, uh, I believe that it makes sense um, to make sure that everyone, you know, has, uh, you know, access to the polls. And you know, again, the folks that we're talking about that are often overlooked or forgotten mm -hmm. are the folks that we're trying to make sure has have the same access to the polls. Um, and, and we think that this legislation does that. Um, uh, again, uh, we pulled it off for the primary without a problem. And we had much larger than expected turnout for it. So I, I expect us to have a high turnout for the general election. And mm -hmm. as much as folks would like to treat this as, as, as a, a privilege, as something that you should be honored to get in your car and go down on Tuesday and cast your ballot, um, there are unforeseen circumstances that people don't think about that might prevent somebody from being able to do that. And this bill attempts to make up for that so that we have um, as robust of a turnout as possible regardless mm -hmm. of party affiliation. Two last questions for you, sir. Um, let me ask you a little bit about uh, this, this idea of ballot harvesting. We know it's legal in California. Uh, and now in Nevada, apparently there is going to be ballot harvesting. I mean, that's what, you know, people that's kind of, I don't want to call it the slang term for it, but that's kind of what, what it is. I mean, one person can essentially, essence, walk into a, to some sort of voting, um, uh, office and say, here you go. I've got 150 ballots with me, but one person's doing it. Um, there's a lot of criticism of that. That, that seems a bit fishy to a lot of folks. Well, it, it, it may, but it's not new. And Nevada is not the first or the, the only state that does it. There are several states, I want to say upwards of 13 states that are completely silent, meaning it's permissible. It's just not expressly set forth. And then there are 26 states that have some version of what we call ballot assistance. I think ballot harvesting is a misnomer. You're not harvesting ballots. You're not creating ballots. You're not voting for, for deceased voters. Uh, you know, if uh, for, again, for example, um, on Native American uh, uh, tribal land, when they live far, if, if someone doesn't trust the Postal Service or they're concerned or they, you know, I drive past a drop off location every day. And so if someone if, if someone said, hey, um, since you're dropping it off anyway, can you drop off mine? Well, I'm not harvesting a ballot. I'm, I'm assisting somebody in making sure that it gets cast. Um, it, I, I don't personally see how it's that different from putting it in the mail. I don't see how it, it just because it's my wife or my mother, I'm allowed to do it. But my next door neighbor who is elderly and asked me to do it, that I can't drop it off. I'm not signing for them. I'm not doing anything other than dropping it off or delivering it for them. Um, I just don't see uh, what the problem is. Now, don't get me wrong. 
um, it, it, is, it is unlawful to, to commit fraud with respect to elections. And it still is unlawful to commit fraud uh, with respect to elections. But again, I don't see how it's any different. And in, in this last primary, we had, I can't even remember how many judicial races. And yeah, communities get together, whether it's a senior mobile home park or a church community and say, okay, who are we voting for on, 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 this, on this, you know, uh, ballot? Uh, organizations, labor organizations, uh, advocacy organizations mm -hmm. all get together and say they have a slate. I don't see how this is any different than uh, me simply walking a ballot that somebody else has already filled out and signed and dropping it off. That's cool. simply that's simply what it is. I, I think calling it harvesting is, is just a misnomer. And I think it's a, uh, a a cry to mischaracterize what it is. It's simply assistance. It's, it's uh, assisting somebody and making sure it gets delivered. Maybe getting caught up in the syntax, but the, that could be ripe for fraud if you've got people that we don't, you don't know where those ballots have been. You don't know if the signature is legit. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot, lots of issues potentially there. Well, I mean, but there's no different than now where they match signatures. And so if, if they have to match signatures anyway, um, and the signature, and I've known individuals who over the years, their mm -hmm. signature has changed. They've been called down by the election department to come and verify who they are with ID right. because their signature changed. Right. And I think that's already in place. Um, and unless we all of a sudden have uh, some, some, you know, folks that all of a sudden know how to sign somebody else's signature uh, accurately, I don't see how it's going to result in uh, fraud in and of itself. Um, yeah. Now, again, I, I don't support bad actors. And so I, I think if there is fraud, then not only do, you know, obviously those ballots need to not be counted, but those folks need to be prosecuted. As we wrap up, the Trump administration says, I just talked to the vice president the other day, says they're coming, they're, they're going to court, they're, they're going to fight all of this. They're coming to your state, they'll, they'll go to any state they have to. What's your reaction to the Trump administration saying they're going to fight this in court all the way? Well, I mean, I'll leave that to lawyers to, to, to talk about. Um, I, I think for a country that has embraced states' rights, you can't embrace states' rights only when it's convenient. Um, and I think that we have a process that exists in other states. And so um, I'll let them do whatever, you know, do whatever they feel like they need to do. I know our attorney general has been uh, outspoken about defending uh, the action. But at the end of the day, what we've done has been done in several other states. Um, and so we're going to keep uh, leading in Nevada and we're going to keep advocating for Nevada voters. And uh, I'm not going to get distracted by, uh, I think, you know, that, that, that legal process will, I think, handle itself. And I'm confident in our position. I, as, as we wrap up, one last question. Will you acknowledge, though, that, uh, you know, that the, the, the folks at the Trump administration and others, or Republicans, conservatives, they all say this is going to help uh, Democrats. Uh, that they, because, and you kind of, not, not, you never said that, but you kind of alluded to this idea of disenfranchising voters. And, you know, we've got to get folks that might not be able to get to the polls. And that has typically been the the storyline out there that African Americans and others might have harder time getting to the polls than, than, than maybe other voters. Do, do you see that uh, as a legitimate, if, if not criticism, an understanding of why they might think that? No, I don't, honestly. I, I think it's, if it's okay for Florida, just because Florida happens to be a red state, then it's okay for any state that reflects the actual state's population. And so if it's a blue state, then naturally, I think the proportionally, you know, the number of voters that are going to be brought into the fold are going to reflect that it's a blue state. And similarly, if it's a red state, then um, Florida's had mail-in ballots and it's worked just fine and the president has supported it. So, um, you know, you can't support it only when it serves your needs. 
and uh, you know, so I think that it's it's it is going to expand the turnout in a proportional way to that state's population. Yeah. All right, uh, Assembly Speaker, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. That is Jason Furson here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what Democrats are up to here, right? They want to make it easier for people to vote, basically put a ballot right in front of them. They believe that will be Trump's undoing. I'm not necessarily so convinced of that, uh, by the way, but we'll see how that that goes. Um, look, there are six electoral votes up for grabs in Nevada. It's going to be a key state in 2020. Hillary Clinton, by the way, just barely beat Donald Trump in 2016. She won the state by two percentage points. So we'll see how Nevada goes. And it's not just Nevada. Obviously, we said earlier, there are nine states that are actually going to get universal mail-in balloting. And once again, to be clear, what we're talking about here is these states will actually send a ballot, not a request for a ballot, no, we're talking about the actual ballot will be sent to these registered voters, voters on the registered rolls. The problem is we know a lot of uh, voters who are, quote, on the registered rolls are potentially, there are some that are dead. There might, it might be a cat. Um, I can give you an example in our household. Uh, we had someone living with us uh, in the last year that passed away. Uh, that person got a... Um, not a ballot because we're not in a state that gives out ballots, but it, but they have her on the rolls. Uh, and so if we wanted to request a ballot in her name, look, I mean, we're not going to do that, obviously. Uh, we're kind of moral upstanding citizens here. But there are some people that will say, eh, why not? And let's get an extra vote for X candidate. So uh, it happens. And there's another woman uh, that lived here 10 years ago. We, we got something in the mail for her from her uh, on the registration roll. So this is happening all over the place. So uh, I think it's just important that uh, you understand that. And the, the other part of this is, is that, look, at the end of the day, uh, you, you never know exactly how this is going to play out. What I believe is going to happen, uh, most likely, I don't think it's going to be a landslide for Trump. I don't think it's going to be a landslide for Biden. I think it's going to be a, probably a pretty close election. That's my, my view, at least at this point. And because of that, um, you could easily see Donald Trump actually winning, so to speak, and I'll put that in air quotes, on election night. Uh, but then some of these mail-in ballots come in, especially in those universal mail-in ballot states, and all of a sudden uh, the calculus and the result could change. If that happens, you know, look, it's Y2K situation. You know what I'm saying? Load up on the food, uh, load up on all of the, uh, 
you know, the military meals and hunker down because th this place in America could get ugly real fast with not just protests, but violence and mayhem in the streets. You think what we've seen so far, the riots and mayhem as it relates to um, what's going on with police brutality and all of that. Now, forget all that, uh, folks. This could be really nasty very, very quickly if this election is not decided on election night and it has to go into the courts and it gets conv convoluted from there. So uh, that's kind of my take. And you know why it's my take? Because I have a podcast and the podcast is called The Pod's Honest Truth. And that's the truth. Until next time, America.